Hey guys, I just want to take a moment to thank today's sponsor. Sponsor for today's episode is Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free, and there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. That's where this podcast was made, and maybe that'll be where your podcast will be made. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Training dogs and training owners are exactly the same thing. Let me explain. So, whenever you're training a dog and you're looking at the behavior as a whole, and let's say you're doing a specific thing, so in terms of agility, well, let's say the obstacle is jump, tire, tunnel, jump, tire, A-frame. Jump, tire, tum- tunnel, jump, tire, A-frame. You got kind of a uh, infinity sign going, let's say. Now, if you're moving with the right hand over the jump, tire, and the tunnel, and you recall over the next jump, turn, pivot to the left hand to send through the tire and the A-frame, that is a very specific movement. Doing that properly results in a faster time, smoother transition, better communication to the dog, less effort on your part so you can start thinking about the next moves if there was more moves into the routine. But being efficient like that really, really helps in the long run. Does it take some time to get the maneuvering and the timing and the handling correct? Absolutely. But once you do, it's a lot more efficient. So in coaching clients on how to do those things, sometimes we have to completely stop, take a mental breather, and do it again. Now, in my experience talking with clients and doing agility, often I find that completely stopping, redoing the entire routine, and taking it piece by piece absolutely helps. So something called the EDGE method, E-D-G-E, EDGE. And it is a way of explaining something to somebody that really helps. E, educate. D, demonstrate. G, guide. E, examine. So with those four things, it becomes easier to break down the whole aspect. Okay, first I'm going to explain jump, tire, tunnel, call back through the jump, pivot to the left, tire, A-frame. I've explained it. Now I'm going to demonstrate. So I'm going to go through it so slowly that you see every tiny movement of my body. Then I'm going to go through a little faster, and then I'm going to go through it full speed. Now I'm going to guide you through those movements. So I'm going to take you with me. We're going to go on a walk together. Jump through the tire, through the tunnel. Recall over the jump. Pivot to the left, tire, A-frame. And you're going to tinily critique every single movement as they go. You're going to make sure that they're doing it right. Maybe you do that two, three times. And then comes the part of examining. You're going to let them do it on their own. Now in a perfect world, I would have them do it without the dog everybody gets really eager and they want to do it with the dog so they start doing it with the dog and they immediately mess up so what do you do 
you now have gone through all of the steps to appropriately teach someone how to do something and they're still not getting it right. How often does that happen with a dog? You get them up to a pretty good standard. You start doing the actual stuff, whether you're doing competition or real world training, whatever it is. And now they're not doing it. And you're like, what the hell? You were just doing this. You just got to take a step back. It's as simple as that. Their brain might be a little overwhelmed. Whatever's going on with them, you got to take a step back. And maybe there's something you didn't realize from before. So, using my example here of the, the edge method and walking them through, maybe where I was standing helped them turn a certain way just so happens in that scenario to where when I'm no longer standing there they think that they have all this space to move and so they do and it's too much movement the other part is we've added in a variable that has completely changed the game so when you're talking about running with agility if you don't have the moves down solid let's say not even agility, but if you're doing protection work and you don't know what you're doing, you have a bite suit on and you're not moving in a fluid manner, you don't know how to absorb the hit, you don't know the apex of where the dog is, the angles that you need to hit. If you are not confident in that, there is no way you are going to be able to do it under the stress of a dog. The same way that if a dog isn't confident in the scenarios that they know, sit, recall, down, stayed extended periods of time with you at a far distance. If they're not confident in those things, under the stressors of life, they're probably going to fail. So what's going to help in agility, I'm not going to say it's going to help in protection because those dogs don't move so slow, but in agility, maybe you slow everything down. You do jump, sit, tire, sit, tunnel, sit, Recall, jump, sit. Now I'm going to turn. Tire, sit, A-frame, sit. So you slow everything down to make sure that they're actually going to do it right, that the person's going to do it right, and then you start to add in speed. Okay, jump, tire, sit. Tunnel, recall, jump, sit. Right. Notice I stopped right before the hard part, which is that pivot. So now they pivot, tire, A-frame. And then you just keep going and you do the whole course that way. It's a great way to split the behavior down, which we talk about in Free Shaping, another uh, podcast that's going to be coming soon. The splitting of it and breaking everything down as small as you can. So if you're doing a protection work and you have a sleeve on and you're presenting the non-sleeved arm and the move is to quickly step, get the dog to come towards you, move back towards away from them. Right? So you're actually turning towards them, but you're moving away from them so that they actually catch the appropriate arm. If you don't have that move down, and if you stumble and trip, you know how to recover now, and you know where to place your weight, whether it's on your toes or on your heels, depending on the angles. Like how, how are you going to be able to do that when a dog is staring you in the eyes wanting to bite you? Unless you are just stone cold, there's no way that amount of stress isn't going to have an effect on your performance. Scientifically, we know stress has an effect on our performance. Cortisol levels are pumping through your body, through your brain, and it impairs your judgment. That's the different from right, adrenaline, 
which actually makes you hyper-focused. Cortisol, when you're stressed and you're not confident, you don't know where you're going or what you're doing, that's going to cause a problem. And there's different people, right? So you might be really excited and be able to do certain things when you're stressed, and other people just crumble and cry and fall apart. So you have to make sure you and the person you're training or talking to or the dog you're training and talking to feels confident in their abilities to do the behavior. Now, what usually happens? We spend a lot of time making sure our dogs feel confident, right? We're using toys. We're using food rewards. We're just making them feel good. You're like, yeah, you got this. You got this. That's great. That's awesome. Wonderful. And then we put them in the stressful scenario. We say, you better do it right. If you don't, I'm going to correct you. What does that teach the dog? Not only is there more stress involved, but for whatever reason, my handler, my trainer, my owner has now completely changed. I don't understand the rules of this new game. And frankly, I don't like this new game. So you gotta, gotta take it slow, go a step back. And you should, if you're going to be balanced and you're going to use corrective and positive methods, that has to be explained to the dog before you get out in that scenario. You cannot go strictly positive, get in the scenario, and then weigh them on the dog. It makes no sense. If they hear the word sit, and that means there's an opportunity for a reinforcement, and they don't sit, and then they get corrected, now they're confused on whether sit means I'm going to get something good if I do it right, but if I don't do it right, I'm going to get wailed. If they don't understand that, which means you haven't taught them appropriately, then you might as well just give up now. Your dog's going to be too confused, and you're going to ruin the trust with them. So take it slow. Remember the EDGE method. Educate, demonstrate, guide, examine. You can do the same thing with dogs, which we actually are going to go in more depth on another podcast, where it's teach, train, proof, test. Teach, train, proof, test. We're going to go through that in another episode. For today, my challenge and what I leave you with Make sure you're breaking things down the smallest steps humanly possible. I mean, pivot your big toe half a degree to the left, you know. Break it down super, super slow and tiny steps so that they're manageable, they're confident in what they're doing, and you can accelerate your training that way. Good luck. I look forward to your progress.